What's up, church? We doing good? Not convinced. I am not convinced. I'm not convinced, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm just glad that you're here today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching right now online. And, of course, everybody who's over at that south side, south campus. We love you. We love you there. We love you here. We love you everywhere. And the best way that we can show you is by clapping for you. So come on. Will you clap for that person sitting next to you and welcome them to church? All right, well, we had a, uh, I just got to tell you this, first Wednesday, just a few days ago, uh, we were back in person, and let me just tell you, it was fire, everybody. It was straight up fire. It was awesome. It was hot, hot, just in time for summer. Aren't you glad it's not raining right now? Can we just thank God for that? Praise the Lord. Let us not take it for granted. Let us not remember, or let us always remember, let us not forget the torrential downpour that was the month of May, and let us celebrate a sunny month of June in Jesus' name. Is anybody believing with me for that? Yeah, all right. Well, uh, we had a great first Wednesday. It was so uh, encouraging. We prayed. We prayed for things that are coming up in the life of our church. If you missed it, you missed it. And I want to encourage you to go online, check it out. You go online to our website, or you can uh, download our app and check that out on our app. But it was so good. It was so encouraging. One of the things that we prayed for was our new building, everybody, that we're going to be moving into. Yeah, thank you for people who are excited here at North Campus. I hope South Campus is more people excited because... There's only four people here excited about it at North Campus, but I, I know you're excited. I just, it's, it's down deep, and it's going to come up. As, as we go through the service, it's going to come up. But Linda, one of the things we prayed for was our building, and we shared some of the plans. We shared some of the designs, so you want to go on and check that out. We're going to have more details for you. Uh, at the beginning of August, we're going to do a, a whole rollout of our vision uh, as we move forward with all that God has for us. But I want to give you just this little picture to encourage you, okay? little picture to encourage you. We set a sign up on the property just a few days ago. Right there, guys. That's a f that little building and then eight acres of ground there. The future home of Summit Park Church, our very own home, everybody. We, are, we will be renters no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Well, um, we are in a series on wisdom uh, that, we've been, that we've been calling Be Wise. And the cool thing about talking about wisdom is that it's a very spiritual principle, but it applies very practically. All right. So this, the cool thing when you start talking about wisdom, it, like, it does speak to each and every day of your life. And it's important because... We have a lot of decisions that we're making, right? You, you make a lot of decisions each and every day. If I were to ask you how many decisions do you make, you might say a thousand. Would you say a thousand maybe? Maybe a thousand over a thousand? Maybe over two thousand? Three thousand? Can I get four thousand? Five thousand? Six thousand? Do you know that the average person makes 35,000 decisions a day? Everybody say, wow. Holy cow, everybody. We're going to have to participate. Okay, so when I say everybody, that means everybody. That's how we do it here at Summit Park. Everybody say, wow. There we go. Every, that's a lot of decisions. 35,000 decisions. Some of those decisions are easy and some are difficult. Like some easy decisions would be like, should I get the burger or a salad? <laughs> it's the burger every time, right? You know, it's a, making that last-minute trip to Andy's, should I do it? 
Yes, absolutely. Extra whip on the frappuccino. You don't even need to ask. The answer is yes. Some decisions are easy and some are challenging. Sometimes life will throw you curveballs or fastballs or knuckleballs. And you got to figure out, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to swing at this? I don't know. Wisdom helps us do this. You've got decisions that you're making, how to run your business, how to interact with your family member who's just a little cuckoo, all right? Um, you've got decisions that you need to make, how to raise your kids, that coworker who keeps on messing with you. We have decisions constantly thrown our way. What do we do with those decisions? We need wisdom because, because a lot of times in life, it's not a moral decision. I mean, the moral decisions are a little bit simpler, right? For most of us, we, we know what's right and wrong, and if we do wrong, at least we know it. But wisdom is like, man, this could be right, this could be right, this could be, there's like three or four potentially right answers. None of them are morally wrong, but answering them correctly will make your life a lot easier. And see, that's what wisdom is all about. Wisdom is helping us find the way of life. We talked about this, we introduced this in week one, that there is a hakmah, there is a way that God has designed this, this life. Hakmah is this, this idea of needle and thread, that at the foundation of the world, God actually made creation with wisdom. So if you're going to live on this earth, you want to find wisdom, because if you find wisdom, it's going to go easy for you. If you don't find it, it's going to go bad for you. So this is wisdom. Here's our working definition. Wisdom is knowing what to do, how to do, when to do, and doing it. And it's written by a guy named Solomon, who is the wisest guy to ever live outside of Jesus. And he says, get wisdom. All right, so week one, we looked at getting wisdom. Week two, we talked about wisdom in our friendships. Today, I want to talk about having wisdom in our words. Wisdom in our words. Wisdom in our words. So we're going to talk about wisdom in our words. And we need wisdom in our words because you have 35,000 decisions a day. And do you know how many words you speak a day? The, you speak a lot of words. Let me just tell you this if you didn't know this. The average man, the average guy in here speaks 15,669 words. Everybody say, that's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. The average guy, did you not, I mean, can you believe that? 15,000 words you speak each and every day. The average man speaks 15,000 words a day. The average woman. Why is that funny? 80,000. 80,000 words. 80,000 just kidding. It's like, it, it, it is more, but barely, like 60,000 words. Some of you are like, that's a bad word, Scott. You shouldn't have said that. You're going to be in trouble. You're probably right. In fact, have you ever had a moment where you said something you wish you could take it back? Is it like, even as it's coming out of your mouth, you're like, ah, like, you're like, it, like it's coming out and you're just like, I wish, like, no, you wish you could just grab it and put it back in there. Have you ever had that moment? Like, you know, um, if someone's, someone's like, oh, I'm just kind of feeling old today. I just, I don't know, I just kind of feel old. And you're like, no, you, you look great for your age. No. <laughs> you ever had that moment? 
or guys, if your, your, your wife asks you, she's like, do I, look, do I look fat? Do you think his jeans make me look fat? And you're like, no, not too fat. No. You know what I mean? He's like, you're at a moment where you say something, you wish you could take it back. The reality is words matter. We're known by our words. Our words define us. And the reason they define us in a lot of ways is because there is a creative power in words. In fact, God created everything by the speaking of his word. So he spoke and the world came into existence. You know the movie Inception? How many, just raise your hand if you remember the movie Inception. Anybody ever watch it? Okay, a few of you. Okay, so in that movie, they would create worlds with their thoughts. So as they thought it, it would happen. And that's almost true. But really what's true is that worlds get created by our words. Like we actually speak realities into existence. God created the world, and so you and I speak realities in our life. It's very, very powerful. In fact, look at what James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 3. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything. Everybody say anything. Anything. There is great power in your words. For proof, let me just show you this. Have you ever just been in a moment where you really needed some encouragement and someone encouraged you just at the right time and it made like the biggest difference in your life? Have you ever had that happen? It's pretty powerful. I will never forget something uh, like that happened for me when I was on staff at James River Church, the church we were at before we came and planted Summit Park. And it was early on, like way back in the day, early on in ministry. And uh, they asked me to do the announcements. Now, doing the announcements is one of the most stressful parts of church ministry. You may not know this, but it's very, yeah, Nathan's amening up here because he does the announcements. It's very stressful. And back in the day, uh, we, it, it was kind of like, remember we wore suits in church, you know, we all sat on the platforms. Anybody remember those days? Like all the pastors sat on the platform and giant thrones. Do you guys remember this? Like, like. Anyways, that's where we were back in the day, suits and everything, and so it was very formal, and I, I felt a lot of pressure, and so I was like, I want to hit this, and, and man, it just was not going well. Have you ever been in a moment when you're like, you're bombing and you know you're bombing? Sometimes in those moments, like, you know you're bombing, but everyone was like, no, it was good. You know, like, they think it's okay, but this wasn't one of those times. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, he's bombing. And so I'm doing the announcements. And I'm just like, I'm struggling. I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, I'm doing like firstly, secondly, thirdly, eighthly, ninthly. Like, I'm just making stuff up. It's bad. And I just remember like, <laughs> I remember looking down and there's this, there's this lady on the front row. And, uh, you know, during announcements, sometimes people aren't paying attention. So sometimes it's okay. But she was paying attention and she was looking at me. She was like, aww. I was like, you're not helping me. You know, I was like, this is not making it any better, you know. And I was just, I just remember leaving that moment and I was like, oh God, I think you picked the wrong person. I am not for ministry. I, obviously, this isn't working out. I just can't talk. I can't even do the announcements in front of people. And I remember, I remember it so vividly. I remember where I was. But my pastor sent me a note, a little inner office note. And I got his little card and said, Scott, you did a great job with the announcements this week. Thank you for doing it. And I, I opened it up. I was like, Lord, forgive him for lying. <laughs> but thank you for this encouragement. I really, it really just 
it was very encouraging. And that's the creative power of words. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, like, it could have gone either way for me in that moment, you know, like literally. And that's the power of words. You can actually speak realities. You can actually create things with the things that you say. Encouraging words can make a big difference. But how many know the opposite is true? A discouraging word, word can make a big difference. You know, there's a phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, right. How many of you know words can hurt us deeper and greater and longer than sticks and stones? Words can have a big impact in our life. They affect everything. They make marriages and they break marriages. They raise kids and they embitter kids. They inspire armies and they bring down regimes. Words are a big deal. And Solomon knows this. And that's why when you read the book of Proverbs, which is what we're doing in this series, we're encouraging everybody to read a book of or a chapter of Proverbs each and every day as we go through this series. All right, so the next, I think we're on uh, day five, day six. Oh, I guess June 5. I, don't, I can't remember what chapter we're on. Anyways, I want to encourage you to read a chapter a day and, and let it penetrate your heart and pray for wisdom each and every day. And, and Solomon talks a lot about wisdom in our words in the book of Proverbs, okay? So let me just give you, just from Proverbs chapter 18, a couple of things he says about the power of words. He says this, words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. He says, man, there's, a, there's words that satisfy our mind and, and our heart. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. On that day, a harvest was a big deal. Like it was everything that you were going to consume for that year. If you didn't have a good harvest, you were, you were in big trouble. He's like, you know what? A, a good word is almost as valuable. He says, words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. And then verse 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. He says, man, our words, if we're just going around, they can cut. They can gash. They can tear. But watch how he finishes that. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's what's cool about words. They can do damage, but they can also heal. Our words can cut someone up, but they can also put someone back together. So Solomon says, be careful, be wise with our words. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four Four things, four words, four types of words, if you will, that I believe Solomon covers in, this, in his uh, book of Proverbs that will help us live with wisdom in our words, all right? If you're taking notes, write these four things down. Truthful words, kind words, timely words, and careful words. Careful words. Truthful words, kind words, timely words, and careful words. If you look at this, what he's saying is we want to say the right things in the right way at the right time in the right amount. That's good stuff right there. We want to say the right things in the right way at the right time in the right amount, okay? Truthful, kind, timely, and careful. We do these four things. I promise you this. We're going to live with wisdom 
in our words, all right? We're going to jump in. It's going to be awesome. We're going to walk way better. Before we do, find three people and say, I could use a little wisdom in my words. How about you? Come on, find three people and just ask them. Say, I could use a little wisdom. How about you? All right. First kind of word you and I want to have. Truthful word. Truthful word. And if you hear the club music coming up towards the front here, that's our kids' area, and they're outside today. So if you see me dancing, that's why. Um, truthful words. Proverbs chapter 12 uh, says this. An honest witness tells the truth, but a false witness tells lies. All right? Verse 19 says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. So he says there's, there's an there's an enduring factor, truthful words. And then he says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy, who are truthful, you could say. He's talking about the honesty of our words. And he says something that's very interesting. He says that the Lord detests lies. Now, I just want us to think about that for a moment. Why would God detest lies? Why would God detest lies? I really believe it's because Lying works against the very nature of God. Lying works against the very, God is truth. He is truth, complete, whole. God is integrity. In fact, the word integrity comes from the word integer, which means whole number. God is complete. He is perfect. Because he is perfect, he is truthful. He is truth in essence. And so when we lie, we work against the nature of God and the work, we work against the nature that God is trying to bring about in our lives. Lies, when we lie, we actually are separating ourselves a little bit. We're dividing ourselves into two. And so it's, it's becoming less of the whole person God created you to be. It was worth coming to church for right there. I know this is a little bit, ooh, this is getting us early. Man, he's preaching. It's important. It's important to understand this. And when we lie, we separate ourselves, so we become less of who God wants us to be. And when we lie to somebody else, we separate ourselves from that person. See, and so God's like, I don't want you to do that. Because you know, like, when you lie, now you have to keep up the lie, right? You've created a false reality with that person, that you have to maintain. It's like going to Disney World. How many like Disney World? Just raise your hand if you like Disney World, like the idea of Disney World. Anybody? Okay. How many just don't like Disney World? You just, you just can't stand it. You just don't want to ever go. Okay, that's cool. If you've never been, let me explain to you what Disney's like. It's, it's pretty amazing. The thing that separates Disney is that it is an immersive experience. So when you go there, everything around you is like, it feels like you're in a different world. So, like, you walk down Main Street, it feels like you're in, like, like the early 1900s, and people are walking around, they look like they're from the 19. So you're like, oh, this almost, like, tricks my brain into believing I'm, like, in the 19, early 1900s. Or, like, you go to Star Wars world, you know, you go over there, and you see people walking around, you know, looking like Jedi, and you start thinking, you know, I'm a Jedi. You know, you start believing it. If the, but if you go, and they look like these foreign landscapes, but if you go and you, you knock on it, you're like, oh, no, that's just... That's just plywood, you know, that's just, that's just plywood. It's created a false reality. 
It's created a false reality. When you go to like the destinations tour at Epcot, they have like these different countries that you visit. You go to Egypt, you go to uh, Morocco, you can go to Mexico, and then you can go like, and everybody looks like they're dressed up like they're from Mexico, and you can go order a burrito in Mexico. But how many know you're still really in Orlando? <laughs> and so nobody gets a burrito in Orlando and says, I'm in Mexico. They don't, they don't do that. But when we lie, that's what we do. We create a false reality and we believe it. And it separates us from who God wants us to be and the relationship God wants us to have with others. And, and the, what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 12 is that it ends up being a trap for us when we lie. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 12. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk and so the innocent escape trouble. He said you're trapped by it. Lying can become a trap for us. We think it's going to help us, but actually it hurts us because you got to keep it up, right? We just already talked about that. you got to keep up the lie, and you got to keep up the production. How many of you uh, remember the, the movie The Truman Show? Just raise your hand if you remember The Truman Show starring Jim Carrey, okay? If you never saw it, this is basically what happened. Like they created this world for this guy to live in, and he thought it was a real world, but it was actually a production set. So he's living around, and, and there's cameras following him everywhere. And they had to work real hard to stay out in front of him in order to keep him believing the lie that this was real. That's what lying does. We have to work extra hard to keep up the lie, don't we? We, ha we have to go through great lengths, bending over backwards. And here's the thing. The enemy of our souls loves it. The devil loves when we lie, because when we lie, we're actually lining up with his nature. John chapter 8, Jesus is talking about the devil and his language. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. So lying is the language of the devil, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you and I lie, even if it's just a small little white lie, it's like, oh, no, it's just a little, just a little lie. It's just a little tiny little lie. No, we are lining up with the devil, and we are working against the nature of God in our lives. And here's the thing. It's a trap. It keeps us, it keeps us trapped. It keeps us from experiencing the abundant life. And there's only one way out. Truth. Truth. In John chapter 8, Jesus says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, when we're honest, when we're open, when we speak truthful words, then there is a work of God that comes in our life. We line up more with the work of God. We have to experience truth, which is Jesus Christ, first and foremost, and then we need to speak truth and line up with that truth that is inside of us. And when we do that, we walk in wisdom. We walk in hakmah, all right? That's the first thing, truthful words. Everybody say number two. Number two, kind words. Kind words. We need to be kind. You can say amen there. We need to be kind to each other. We need to be kind to everybody. And there is a wisdom in that. There is a wisdom in kindness. Proverbs chapter 15 says this, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words 
make tempers flare. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. See, we create problems for ourselves. This is, again, finding hukmah. We create problems for our relationships when we respond in anger. We respond harshly. We make things worse than they could be or should be. And you know what? We walk around saying, what's wrong with everybody? What's the matter? Everybody's got a problem. All the while, the lack of gentleness in our responses are stirring anger up in front of us. How many of you know you can be right about something, but if you approach it in the wrong way, it's not going to go well for you? How many of you know the tone of what you say really matters? And see, this is what's really important about, I think, what Solomon's trying to get across to us. You can be right in your reason, but terrible in your tone, and therefore wrong <laughs> in your relationship. That was worth coming to church for. <laughs> you can say something that is truthful, but that isn't kind, and it go bad for you. So some of you are like, I got the first point, truthful. I'm speaking truth all day long. And it's going to go bad for you if you don't speak it in love. That's what Paul says. Speak the truth in love. You can have all the smarts in the world, but if you say it in a terrible way, it's going to go bad for you. And really, what this comes down to is just caring about each other. Really caring about each other. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So many things that you're going to want to say. But don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. Everybody say helpful. Helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. I want to be helpful so that it benefits those who listen. This is, this is a great little measurement for our speech. A great little evaluation for our speech. You can ask yourself, am I being helpful here? I'm saying something. Is this going to help that person or is this going to hurt that person? Paul says don't let it come out if it's going to hurt them. With your kids, as you discipline your kids, ask them, is this, ask yourself, is this going to ask the Lord, is this going to be helpful or is it going to be hurtful? Uh, with an employee that works for you or a coworker, is this going to be helpful or is this going to be hurtful? Or that customer service situation because you're you mad because they messed you up. You're going to call them up. I'm going to let them have it. I can't wait. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I'm listening to the music, but I can't wait. Mm -mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I'm going to give it to them because I'm right. Just ask yourself, am I being helpful? Is this going to benefit those? Put it through that filter. That's the wisdom filter. And it's caring about the other person. And let me just say this. If we believe what we believe, if you're a Christian here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, watching this online at the South Campus, if you're a follower of Christ, then you know what our, our ultimate job is? It's not to get stuff. It's not to be right. It's to help others connect with God. Like the ultimate goal is that. And do you know that the kindness of our words and the kindness of our tone 
can help people find him? And how many of you know this is true as well? The lack of kindness in our words and the lack of kindness in our tone can turn people away from him. So he's saying be kind. One of the most unkind words that we can speak is a word of gossip. And Proverbs talks a lot about gossip. Proverbs chapter 11 says, a, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Gossiping isn't kind. You say, it's truthful, but it's not kind. You know, some of you are like, well, it was brought to my attention that Julie was struggling, so I called Sally and Sarah and Susie and 65 other girls, and we formed a prayer chain. <laughs> prayer chain. We didn't pray, <laughs> but we formed a prayer chain. Is it helpful? Is it really helpful? Well, I was just sharing. No, you were just sinning. <laughs> and you were being unwise. You were being unwise. You're hurting that person and you're hurting yourself, even though you don't see it that way. And that's what Proverbs 26, 22 says. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels, like to chew on it. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm going to gossip. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm. But what does it say? They go down to the inmost parts. So you chew it around, but you know what? It doesn't stop in your stomach. It goes to your soul. And it messes you up. So as you gossip, it actually starts working against your spirit, and it's not caring. So he says, be truthful, be kind, and then be timely. Timely words. Proverbs talks a lot about timely words. Proverbs 25, 11 says this, the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It fits. It's awesome. Proverbs 15, 23 says, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and oh, how good is a timely word saying the right thing in the right way at the right time. The right time. You ever been in a situation where you needed to hear something in that moment, and because you heard it in that moment, it kept you from doing something or saying something? A timely word. We need timely words in our life. You ever feel like, man, I think I should share this. I think I should give this. I think I should encourage somebody. You ever feel that? You know what the answer is to that question? Yes. Do you know that every time is the right time for a timely word of encouragement? Because if you're feeling it, I can tell you this, it's not from the devil. The devil never wants you to encourage anybody. God always wants you to encourage somebody. So it's always, it's always the right time. What about, though, a word of rebuke? Say, Scott, we talked last week about iron sharpening iron, being a friend, speaking the truth in love. What about that? Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can't be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. How you know, some, you know, and, and someone who doesn't really care about you is going to be like, oh, you're so great. You're, everything you do is awesome. That's multiplying kisses. 
They're just going to be, oh, everything you do, you're so amazing. Oh, you're so great. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. But a true friend is going to say, hey, listen, you've got, you've got some stuff that needs some correction. What about that? When's the right time for that? Well, that's why wisdom would say, pray about what you're going to say before you say it. Get some counsel with some people that, that, that you can say, hey, I, I th- I'm going to talk to this person. I need to address this. And not gossip, but just like one or two people. And you're saying, hey, I, I, I just want to see, is this, I'm, I would address a situation like this. What do you think about it? You don't even have to include their name. Get some wisdom, get some prayer, and then approach it with their best interest in mind. So you're saying, I want to be the most helpful for this person. And then I'm going to speak a word of truth to them the right time. The right, the right words, the right way, at the right time, and the right amount. This is careful words. Careful words or measured words. Measure words. Measured words. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 10, 19 in the NLT says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I really believe that's why the apostle James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So be quick, quick to listen to other people, slow to speak, because when you speak, you find yourself getting angry and hurting other people. He's saying there is a correlation in how many things we say and how hurtful we can be to others. So this is, a, this is problematic for those who like to talk a lot, which is all of us apparently, because <laughs> we all talk about 16,000 words a day. Somebody like, no, I'm an introvert, but you're talking online. You're posting online. He's saying, use measured words. This is what I really believe he's saying. He's saying, it is, benefit, it is beneficial to talk less, but I think he's saying, be careful with what you say. Look at Proverbs 10, 19 in the message. It says, the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure the words. You ever hear the phrase, measure twice, cut once? It's kind of like before you start in on a project, before you start in on the materials, you have to redo all of this. Think about it. Measure twice and then cut once. Like he said, that, That's what he's saying here. Before you approach a situation, before you have a conversation, measure your words. Think about it. Evaluate it. Contemplate it. Give thought. Don't just run into a conversation and start going, no, 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 no. The more you talk, the worse it's going to get. Can I get an Amen. <laughs> Think about it. Come up with a plan. Then respond. We've got to be measured. See, when you read Proverbs, it's all about slowing down. When you read wisdom, it's all about big picture. Wisdom is all about thinking this thing through, not being so in the moment. Because when you're in the moment, you miss it. When you're in the moment, you miss your purpose. So slow down and measure your words. All right, four ways, four things. Some of you are like, gosh, Scott, I need a lot of help here. This has been very convicting. <laughs> and uh, man, I need some help. Me too. I think you're in good company if you're feeling that way. So let me give you, let me give you three things to do, three steps to apply wisdom. Number one, apologize when you say the wrong thing. 
In fact, let's just take a moment and practice. I know this is very difficult for us to say, but is, I want us to practice saying, I'm sorry. So everybody just say this out loud. I know this, you, these words, very, it's hard. But can you just say, I'm sorry out loud? Just say it. I'm sorry. Didn't that feel good? Now turn to the person next to you that you came with and say, I'm sorry, all right? Just tell someone next to you, I'm sorry. You may have to finish that conversation later, <laughs> but you're welcome for getting that started, okay? <laughs> How many know we have to apologize a lot to be in good relationship? Like, it really is a key of good relationship. We're not going to be perfect. In apologizing, repenting gets us back on track. But I just want to encourage you with this. The devil never wants you to apologize. He never wants you to apologize. He wants you continuing to be separated and disconnected and embittered. That's what he wants. But God wants you to apologize, to say, I'm sorry, to get back right with that person. Apologizing. And it's, it's really interesting because a lot of times when I'm preparing these messages, like I just have to preach them to myself. And God will give me an example to apply it. He'll give me an example to apply it. And literally, that happened Thursday. I'm not saying God did this. I did this. But it was a great opportunity to apply my own preaching. And I'd been working with this message all week. I've been putting the finishing touches on Thursday. And we had something that we did at the end of the day. And, and so we're, we, we, I met up with Jen and Cruz and we're looking at something actually at our new facility. And so I was like, okay, hey, it's, it's getting dark. We want to get that lawn mowed tonight. This is Cruz's job. So I was like, all right, let's get the lawn mowed. You know, we, I'm, you guys go home. I'll go get the food. Cruz, you get started. You get started. So that way, you know, because I'm thinking sun's going down. But I didn't tell him all of that. I just said, hey, start on the lawn, you know, and I'll get the food. So I run. I get the food. And I come home. I pull into the driveway. And the lawnmower's in the garage. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. If he's watching TV, we're going to have some problems. <laughs> and so I, I should have stopped. What I should have done is just stop and measured my words. <laughs> but I didn't do that. I walk in, go upstairs. And uh, I was like, and sure enough, he's in the, he's in the guest bedroom watching TV. <laughs> And uh, I was like, um, did we forget what we we're supposed to be doing? And I was like, and he's like, no, I just needed a break. I was like, break? You didn't do anything. You need a break. Let's go. Come on. The sun's going down. We need to get this done. It's like the, the grass is growing six inches a day. Come on. If we cut it tomorrow, it'll be too late. We need a tractor. Come on. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I was truthful but I wasn't kind, and it was inappropriate, and I, and I knew it. I knew as soon as I said it. So he gets out there, and he starts cutting. I can tell, like, you know, he had, he teared up a little bit. And so he's doing, the, he, and he just looks miserable while he's cutting it, too. So I was like, man. So I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. And I open the door. I go out, and I say, I was like, hey, come here. And he's like, he stops it and he comes over and I just hug him. And I'm like, 
I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said it like that. I was like, I was trying to get it done before the sun goes down, but I was not being kind, and, and I'm sorry. He's like, I forgive you. And I hugged him again and went back to cutting the lawn. And, and he, he, he looked completely different, and I felt completely different. And it was, it was the right thing. And that's what life gives us. It gives us those opportunities to make things right. Hopefully not to get ourselves in that situation, but if we do, to ask for forgiveness. And you might be here today, and you might, you might have to ask for forgiveness after church for something you said. But when you do that, you're going to find hakmah. You're going to find the way of wisdom, and it is going to go better for you. Second thing is ask God for help in saying the right thing. That probably needs to be step one so that we don't have to say sorry as much. But you can ask, you can ask God for help. Say, Lord, as you go into your meetings, as you start your day, God, give me wisdom in what I say. God, help me. God, help me to say the right things. Especially if you're in leadership of any kind. Ask God for wisdom so you say what is right, what is helpful, what is truthful, what is kind. And then third, and this is for all of us, use words to make Jesus the ultimate thing. The greatest thing that we can do with our words is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Make him everything, every single day. Say, God, you are the ultimate because our hearts are prone to wander. Our hearts are prone to look for functional saviors. And we need to confess and say, Jesus, you are the ultimate thing. As I start my day, you are the ultimate thing. God, I recognize you are the, the thing that is above everything. You are the thing that this whole thing is all about. And so you're going to have my worship. You're going to have my trust. You're going to have my prayer. You're going to have my life. Today, I give it all to you afresh and anew. When you live like that, you live like that, that's the best thing you could do with your words. The best thing you could do with your words. Some of you today, you can do that for the first time. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you can make that decision for the first time. We're constantly realigning our hearts as believers. But if you've never made that decision, do you know that that's where wisdom starts? Wisdom does not start in the book of Proverbs. It starts in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts getting back in a relationship with the one who spoke all of this into existence, who has a great and glorious plan for your life, who wants to do amazing things in you and through you. It's going to start with Jesus. It's going to start with prayer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your word that speaks truth to us, that speaks encouragement to us. Father, we need help. I know I need help. God, I ask you for help right now with my words. Help me to say things that are honoring to you. Help me to, to speak life and encouragement and hope and grace and truth to create, to build your kingdom with the words that I say. To encourage people, to strengthen people, to bless people, to lift people's spirits. I pray for that, Lord. I pray for our church. Help us, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to take a moment. I want to ask you, at both locations, watching online, you're, he you're here. 
listening. And, and God is speaking to you, and he wants, he, he's speaking to you with his spirit. He's speaking the word of God to you, literally his word. And what he is wanting you to do most importantly, the most important thing that any of us could ever do is, is, is getting right with God. And that happens by admitting that we're wrong and making Jesus Lord of our life. And so if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Scott, this is speaking right to me. I admit, I recognize that I am, uh, that I've missed it, that I need God, that I need the Lord's help in my life, that I need Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you've made a decision to follow him for the first time, uh, or you made a decision a long time ago and as you grew up in church or or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ, I want you to know this, that in this moment, God can change you from the inside out instantaneously. And it happens when you say with your heart, with your hand, with your words, I need Jesus. And if that's you today and you're saying, man, I need him. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to make him the ultimate thing. For the first time or for the first time in a long time, you're, you're here and you're saying, I need, to, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm, I'm, excited, I'm excited for you because God's going to change you from the inside out. He's going to do something in your life. He's going he's gonna to build his kingdom in your heart. If that's you and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, I need, I need God. Would you slip up your hand all across this place and say, would you pray for me, Scott? All across this place. Hands are going up here. Yep, I see it and I see it. Yeah, yeah, hands everywhere. Hands to the South Campus, watching online. Just reach out to God right now, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray for every person who's reaching out to you. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help them to experience all that you are and all that you have. Help them to walk in closeness with you. Help them to walk in relationship with you. God, to turn from their sin and to turn to you and experience the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me at both locations? I want to take a moment. I just want to respond before we rush into our day and have our week. I want to do a little business with God because I am going to just venture to say that as, as I was talking, some of you probably felt some, mm, I got some improvement here. And before we leave, I just want us to say, take a moment and say, God, will you help us? So would you just lift your hands all across this place and make, a, make an altar right before the Lord and say, God, I just ask you to help me with my words. Help me to speak things that are kind. Help me to speak things that are loving and encouraging to every person that I come in contact with. God, we ask you, please have your way in our lives, Lord God. Have your way in our hearts. We surrender our lives to you and we say, God, be God to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship.